0: Hey, this is Lee Snow, the preacher for the Warm Springs Road Church of Christ here in Columbus, Georgia, and you have found our podcast. We hope that this message inspires you, that it equips you, and that it builds your faith in Jesus Christ like never before. If you have any questions or you want to tell us your story, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out at any time. We are here for you. We're here for each other. Most importantly, we're here for the Lord blood of Jesus Christ Hey church, as everything's getting back to normal at least to some degree and and people are starting to get back into our building, we, we met for the first time this past Sunday uh, in three months and so I'm super excited about that. Uh, it was great to see people and, and be able to hear singing again and and so forth. But since that's happening, there's a lot of there's a lot of mixed emotions right now. On one side, you have some some anxiety because of the things that are going on, both with the the racial discussion that's going on and and the pandemic. Because because of the 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 racial discussion and the protests and so forth, it seems like the numbers are going up again, and there's a lot of anxiety. Not nearly as much, at least I'm not sensing nearly as much as three months ago when all of this started. But there still is a lot, and so what I wanted to do for this video this week is just talk about the the idea or the concept of hope because I think sometimes we think we we mix hope and and wish, and we think that if i if I wish for something to happen, then that's the same thing as hope and and that's just it's kind of missing the point, right Glenn Colley uh once said that hope is the desire with expectation. And and the Bible talks a lot about hope, not only our hope in Jesus Christ, but also our hope when it comes to our earthly situation and what's going on around us and so forth. And so what we're going to do in this video is just talk a little bit about hope. But before we get there, I want you to watch a few minutes of a TED Talk by a man by the name of Joseph Kim. Uh, I don't know Joseph. I've never met him before, but his story is pretty amazing in my opinion, and it has a lot to do with hope. And so let's take just a few minutes and let's watch that. And then, then we'll come back and talk more about hope.
1: I was born and raised in North Korea. Although my family constantly struggled against poverty, I was always loved and cared for first because I was the only son and the youngest of two in the family. But then the great famine began in 1994. I was four years old. My sister and I would go searching for firewood starting at five in the morning and come back after midnight. I would wander the streets searching for food and I remember seeing a small child tied to mother's back eating chips and wanting to steal them from him. Hunger is humiliation. Hunger is hopelessness. For a hungry child, politics and freedom are not even thought of. On my ninth birthday, my parents couldn't give me any food to eat. But even as a child, I could feel the heaviness in their hearts. Over a million North Koreans died of starvation in that time. And in 2003, when I was 13 years old, my father became one of them. I saw my father wither away and die. In the same year, my mother disappeared one day, and then my sister told me that she was going to China to earn money, but that she would return with money and food soon. Since we had never been separated, and I thought we would be together forever, so I didn't even give her a hug when she left. It was the biggest mistake I have ever made in my life. But again, I didn't know it was going to be a long goodbye. I have not seen my mom and my sister since then. Suddenly, I became an orphan and homeless. My daily life became very hard, but very simple. My goal was to find a dusty piece of bread in the trash, but that is no way to survive. I started to realize, begging would not be the solution. So I started to steal from food carts in illegal markets. Sometimes I found small jobs in exchange for food. Once I even spent two months in the winter working in a coal mine, 33 meters underground, without any protections for up to 16 hours a day. I was not uncommon. Many other orphans survived this way, or worse. When I could not fall asleep from bitter colds or hunger pains, I hoped that the next morning my sister would come back to wake me up with my favorite food, that hope kept me alive. I don't mean big, grand hope. I mean the kind of hope that made me believe that the next trash can have bread, even though it usually didn't. But if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't even try, and then I would die. Hope kept me alive. Every day I told myself, no matter how hard things got, still I must live. All right. So what did you think?
0: Um, that, that story of, of Joseph believing his sister and his mother would come back and, and, and he believed that the next trash can, there would be some bread. He believed in all of these things because it was possible because he had the expectation that it was going to happen. Maybe not probable, but possible. That's the concept of hope. Okay when When we're talking about biblical hope, what we're talking about something that is that is possible and and if you're a Christian and you're a part of the body of Christ and you've been baptized and saved from your sins, then it is very much probable. But when it comes to our earthly lives, sometimes our hope is just something that's possible. I hope I genuinely hope that come the end of all of this discussion around racial. Uh, reconciliation and so forth. And after this pandemic, I genuinely hope that humanity as a whole is better because of it, that our country is better because of it, that we're better because of it, because it's possible. Now, is it probable? I don't know. Sin is always going to be here, but it is possible. And I have an expectation that you and I will at least gain and grow from the situation that we've been put in over the last, say, six months or so, right? So anyways, let's talk a little bit about hope. First off, we need to talk about the origin of the word hope itself. So the word originally comes from an Indo-European word that, that I, I, listen, I'm not great at pronouncing these sort of things, you know, but uh, but I, I think it's pronounced something like koi, and it, and it means to curve or to change a direction okay so the greek word in the new testament that is translated hope is is the word elpis or elpis and it comes from this idea of of anticipating something that that usually is anticipated with pleasure so when we're talking about hope we're not we're not talking about a, a an anticipation with expectation of something bad that's happening now Do we sometimes think that? Do we sometimes look toward the future and see that it's going to get worse? Yeah, I think all of us have been there over the last month or two at one point or another, right? But when we're talking about biblical hope, especially the word that that the apostles used in this book, they're using this word to talk about an anticipation with pleasure about something that is coming. And specifically, like we mentioned a second ago, it's either our life or our, our eternity. All right. So if if we combine both of these ideas, both Koi and Elpis, uh, you get this kind of idea of the biblical definition of hope. That is this earnest expectation of a change or something that is coming for, from the future that, that will, that will benefit me. Right? Well, The fact is that the Bible actually gives us that same kind of idea, especially in Romans chapter 15 and verse number four, where the apostle Paul writes, whatever things were written former, that's in the old Testament, whatever things were written in former days were written for our instruction that through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You see, the old Testament was written as a Christian document. Was it written to tell the Jews how to live a Jewish life? Yes. Was it written to show the Hebrews how to how to enact this new covenant with God? Yes. But ultimately, Romans 15, 4 says that it was written for you and for me. The purpose of the Old Testament's writing and all of the historical accounts and so forth were so that you and I can see. And, and it's kind of the same idea that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians where he says, Everything that you're going through, someone else has been there before, and so we look and we see the Old Testament and we see those things written, and because of that, we can know that God is still with us, that He's still there, and we can have this concept of earnest expectation that things are going to change. Again, Glenn Colley, um, he's one of my um, mentors, if you want to call it that. You you might call him an idol, but not in the not in the sinful way. He said, you have to find yourself in a place where there is no hope before we can ever anticipate or appreciate that we have hope. What it means is you've got to hit rock bottom. Maybe not in in the sinful way like we talk about with with addiction to drugs or to alcohol or some other kind of substance, not some sort of financial rock bottom. What he's talking about is in order to understand honest, godly, biblical hope, to have an earnest expectation and anticipation of things changing for the better, both in my life and in my eternity, you and I have to realize something. When you go to obey the gospel and become a Christian, what do you have to do first? You have to hear it, and then you have to believe it. And that belief is this understanding in my mind that something is wrong, that I need something more right? It's to accept what the gospel has said about my life that is sinful so that I can understand what is good that is going to come in the future. That same idea with hope. In fact, the book of Ruth is all about hope. Ruth chapter one, verse two, Naomi's talking to Ruth and to her sister-in-law. And she says this, turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night. If I get remarried this night, and I say I have hope, are you going to stay around would would you therefore wait with me until they were until they were grown? Do my sons that that I have from this new husband that I get married to tonight? Are you going to stay around for, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years? 21 years for me, for my sons to grow up enough to where you can marry them. You see what she's saying is I want you to leave and go back to your own places of, of nationality because I don't have any hope right now, but she understands that the possibility is there that she would have hope, right? But then the book of Ruth isn't just about Naomi, is it? in chapter 4 the toward the end of the book in fact almost at the very end of the book verses 13 through 17 Naomi has has taken in Ruth as her daughter almost and has walked her through um going to the people and and um getting su- supplies and food from the corners of the fields and and then Ruth meets this man named Boaz and and they fall in love and so then at the end of Ruth chapter 4 Verse 13, it says this, So Boaz took Ruth, she became his wife, and he went in to her, and the Lord gave her conception. She bore a son. Then the woman said to Naomi, the women, sorry, said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who is not left you this day without a Redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, and for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child, laid him on her lap, and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Through the workings of God, Naomi found hope through Ruth and that's one thing that we need to pay attention to is that you and I can find hope through the people around us because sometimes we need someone not only to point out something that's wrong but we also need someone there to give us hope to show us that it's going to be okay and in fact be the kind of the 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 conduit that that gives us a brighter outlook on life. Job chapter 7 verse number 6 The writer of Job says this, My days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle and have come to their end without hope. Job is in the same place that Naomi was. Job is in the same place that you and I were when we recognized our sins. Not for the same reason, but he has found himself in a situation where there is no hope. And the reason for that is because hope is a perceived thing. There's a lot of talk right now about perception. Listen, wrongs that are done may not necessarily be factual, but the perceived wrong is just as strong as a factual wrong. Well, the same is true when it comes to hope. Job had hope the entire time, but he didn't perceive it. When we don't realize that there is a chance of change, then it doesn't matter if there is a chance of change or not. Because hope is a perceived thing, you choose whether or not you're going to have hope because you, to a large degree, can choose your perceptions of the life that you are living that's why Romans fifteen verse thirteen Paul said, "May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope because you can you can fail to see." the possibilities, and therefore perceive absolutely no hope. And what he's saying is, may God give you the perception that you need to see that it will change, that it will get better. God is the source of our hope. and Because he's the source of our hope, when we don't know who he is and, and, and what he wants us to do with our lives, then that's really the main reason why we don't have hope. The reason why you don't have hope in your salvation is because you don't know who God is. If you are worried and scared and, and you're constantly thinking, well, I, I, I hope I get to heaven, but I don't really know. And you have this kind of anxiety about your salvation because you don't know who God is. You got to figure out who God is, who, who the Lord is, because in him you can find hope. And without him, there is no hope. Proverbs 11 and verse 7 says, when the wicked man dies, his hope will perish. Even though he perceives hope, doesn't mean it's true. His hope will perish and the expectation of wealth perishes too. Hope is gone when a wicked man dies. Hope is gone when we give up on our walk with God. Proverbs 10 verse 28, the hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. You want joy? You need to have hope. You want hope? You need to find out who God is. You need to find out who God is? You need to take this book and learn about him. Now, in Luke 16, there is this story. I believe it's a story and not a parable. We can talk about that in in another time. But the reason why is because Jesus specifically names who he's talking about. He doesn't name the rich man, though. And I think there's a reason for that. Why does Jesus in this story name Lazarus, but he doesn't name the rich man? Because Lazarus is a person. Rich man is as well. But remember what Proverbs 10 and verse 28 says? The hope of the righteous brings joy, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Or Proverbs 11 and verse 7, that when the wicked man dies, his hope will perish with him. His name perished with him because he didn't have any hope he had absolutely no hope not only in his own situation but also in the situation of his family members remember luke chapter 16 verse 19 after this rich man dies and he's carried into hell he wakes up in hell or in torment lazarus is carried into heaven and and put on abraham's bosom as it were and and he is he is having this rest that is promised to the faithful followers of god and This rich man is not. He looks up and he says, Abraham, please save me from this situation. Send Lazarus that he can dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in torment. And Lazarus doesn't even know that it's happening. But Abraham says this. Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and Lazarus and like manner, bad things. But now he's comforted and you're in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm, has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and no one, none may across from there to us. See, this man had no hope. Well, then he says, "We'll send Lazarus back to earth and and make him alive again, so he can tell my family members." And Abraham says, "Well." They have the prophets, they have the scriptures, they have the word of God. Even if Lazarus were to come back from the dead, they wouldn't believe him. Why? Because the only way that you can create hope is through this book. Now, let's wrap this up. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 18 says this. For Sheol does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down into the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. Listen, Sheol in the Old Testament is not a picture of hell or torments like we have in the New Testament. Sheol is actually just the grave. There's a statement that often comes about um, when when someone passes away, and it, it goes something like this. Well, he's looking down on you and he wants you to do this. I think he wants you to do this. The fact is Isaiah 38 verse 18 says those people who have passed into the eternity, they don't have any hope for your faithfulness. They don't know what's going on. They're like Lazarus at Abraham's bosom. They, they don't have any hope anymore, period. Because if you are in the situation of the rich man in Luke 16, you have no hope because there's no way that that is ever going to change. And if you're in the situation of Lazarus in Luke 16, you have no hope because not only is there any situation in which that situation, your situation, your eternity is going to change, but you never want it to. You see, we only have hope in this life and we only have the chance to hope in this life. And we only have the ability to look forward and say, I know things are not perfect now, but I know that they will be better in the future right now. That means that we need to take complete control of that hope and we need to establish hope in ourselves and let the Holy spirit do it. All right. Right. That's what, that's what Paul said earlier that that he prayed that the Holy spirit would create hope in the hearts of his readers. How? Through the scriptures, through the understanding of the Old Testament and the understanding of the New Testament for us, because it's in the scriptures that we find our hope. It's in the scriptures that we, we establish our hope. If you want hope, if you want to look out at the world and not be scared. Here's what you do. Take your Bible, either this one, New Testament, or you take this one, your whole Bible. You open it up and you read it. And eventually you're going to come across a passage in um, in Romans chapter 8 that says that all things are going to work together for those who love God and keep his commandments. And you're going to find a passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 where it says that Jesus is going to come back and give you rest. If you want hope, you have to look to the place that builds it. Don't place your hope in a politician. Don't place your hope in a movement. Don't place your hope in an in a economic decision or situation. Don't place your hope in your family members or any other earthly source. Place your hope specifically on the word of God and what it has to tell you about your life and how you can have hope. Some of you don't have hope right now. Some of you need hope. Listen, I don't know if this, if this earthly life is going to get any better, but I do know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have an earnest expectation and, and, and an appreciation of what will come after the judgment day, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And there is not one ounce of doubt in my mind, even though I sin, I will be forgiven because I have the blood of Jesus Christ that continuously washes me from my sins, 1 John chapter 1. And if you need that, you need to turn to the source of hope, scriptures that tell you about the story of the Old Testament, tell you about the person of Jesus, tell you about the gospel, and tell you how you can obey that gospel. I'll leave you with this. Ezra chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, says this. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, of the sons of Elam, addressed Ezra. We have broken faith with our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of our land. But even now there is hope in Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let us make a covenant with our God to put away all of these wives and their children, according to the counsel of the Lord and of those who tremble at the commandment of our God. And let it be done according to the law. You see, they had no hope because they had been overcome by sin. But then they realized that they could have hope because of what God had told them, because of the commandments of our God and because of the court, according to the law, they had the ability to make it right. If you don't have hope tonight, you need to make it right. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you will help us to to see the hope that is in you and hope that is in Jesus Christ. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for those who have watched this video, and we pray that Father, if there's something between you and them, that they will make that right in accordance with the law, just like those in Ezra's day did, so that they could so that they could have hope, and so that so that they can have hope. Father, we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray that you will bring us through this. Continue to bless us in Christ's name. Amen.